So, uh, speaking of Jesus, here's what he says in John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is, is the gardener. Every branch in me that doesn't produce fruit, he removes. Uh, another version of that might say he raises up. Uh, it, it says, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it'll produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, they throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. And just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. Now I've told you these things so that, you may, uh, so that your joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has a greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know his master, uh, what his master is doing. But I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from the Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask, the Father, in my name, he will give to you. This is what I command you. Love one another. Love one another. Four things I want to share with you this morning as we continue to talk about what uh, greatness in the kingdom looks like. And here's the first, guys. I want you to know that greatness in the kingdom of God has to do with glorifying God by producing fruit. Okay? Greatness in the kingdom of God has to do with glorifying God by producing uh, fruit. So God's goal for your life, according to this passage, is that you would produce not just some fruit, not just a little fruit, uh, not, not no fruit, but you would actually produce much fruit. If you look at the progression in John chapter 15, it starts with, hey, hey, the, the vine that produces no fruit is cut off, but then the one that is producing some fruit, he's going to prune, which is painful, by the way. If you didn't know this about uh, fruit-bearing uh, vines and things like that, they have to struggle. So you prune them, they start to fight for life, uh, and when they fight for life, they, they actually produce more and more fruit. So if you're going through a struggle right now, boy, do I have good news for you. Just get ready, the fruit is coming, okay? Uh, so just, just hang in there, it, it's around the corner. Uh, but, but yeah, so, so in, and the goal is I take something that has some fruit, I prune it, uh, I make it struggle so it produces more fruit, and ultimately the end goal, uh, when we get in verse 8, I'll put it on the screen, is, is this... Uh, We've got it for you. The, the end goal is that the Father would be glorified in this that I produce not some fruit, not more fruit, but much fruit. Much fruit, an abundance of fruit, right? God's goal for my life and for your life is that we would produce much, much fruit. Now, this morning is pretty straightforward. Uh, I, we're just going to have a word study out of the Gospel of John. 
uh, out of John 15. It's just a word study, and then we're going to take a systematic look at how all those words tie into what Jesus has been teaching us about greatness in the kingdom. And if you were to look at these words, and I did this week, uh, now I'll, I'll tell you, I, I didn't have my glasses on when I studied the first time. So maybe I missed one or two, all right? But here we go. Uh, I counted the word remain in this, in this passage 11 times. 11 times. Maybe you, you picked up on it, right? Uh, the word produce seven times. The word fruit eight times. The word love nine times. And the word command five times. Now remember, in Hebrew and in Greek, there's no exclamation. There's no punctuation. There's no way to go, hey, this is important. Pay attention. But when we repeat words, it's supposed to grab our attention. Hey, this is for you. Hey, this is important. And so if I just uh, spouted out all those words, remain, 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 like, okay, that's not a great sermon. But you, you get what I'm saying. Like, this important. It's important. And, and, and all of those words really tie in to a central thought. And, and, it, and it's, this word only appears one time. And it's right there in verse 8. It's, it's that God would be glorified. All those words, all that repetition, all that stuff we're supposed to remember, that I, I'm supposed to remain in Jesus so that I can produce fruit, and the way that I remain in him, the way that I prove my love for him is by obeying his commands. And all that is centered around uh, the fact that I'm supposed to glorify God with my life, and the way that you glorify God with your life is by producing fruit. And if that's the case, if that's God's goal for our life, that we would produce much fruit, then we better figure out what that means and how we do it. Amen? Right? If that's God's goal for your life, that you would bring him glory by producing fruit, that's the perfect, that's why you have breath in your lungs, then don't you think we should figure out what fruit is and how we should produce it, right? Which kind of leads to the second point, is that when we talk about fruit, that fruit in the kingdom of God looks different than you think. Right? Fruit in the kingdom of God looks different than you think. Now, if you were going to talk about worldly fruit, you guys would probably, man, like my house, right, and my, my car, and I've got money in the bank, and I've got, I got some money in savings. You might even point to your family and be like, and my kids are killing it, and they're doing well, and they look great, and, like, and you just kind of have this list of, of, what, of what fruit looks like. Uh, but fruit in the kingdom isn't necessarily about buildings. It's not about money. Uh, it, it's not about titles. It's not about status. It's not about knowledge. The Bible teaches us that it's actually possible to build your life on stuff that doesn't matter, right? So, so it's important we identify what fruit is because Christians, followers of, of Jesus even, uh, are prone to building their life on things that don't matter. Jesus teaches this in the Sermon on the Mount. Right? In Matthew chapter 5, he, he says, so listen, whoever uh, hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he's a wise man who builds his house on the rock. So that's one way to build your house is on the rock. And when the storms of life come against it and the waves beat against it and the wind bends, like it's going gonna, it's gonna to stand firm. It's not going to crash. But you can also hear the words of Jesus and not put them into practice. And he, he calls those people foolish. He says, it's like building your house on the sand. And, and listen, storms are going to come. That's what's promised in that passage. And so when the wind blows and the rain comes and, and the sea washes in, what happens is it will erode the foundation and that house will fall with a great crash. Paul talks about it too in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, listen, everything that we do in our lives is going to be tested at the end of time. He actually says it's going to be tested by fire. And he says a lot of the stuff that we think is important is going to get burned up and it won't last but there will be what remains we're going to be rewarded for. So what remains? That's what Jesus is talking about, right? 
Look at, look at verse 16. He says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. Talking about fruit that lasts, right? Fruit that lasts. So here's my question this morning. What is that? What is fruit that lasts? And I, I, got, a, I got a scholarly answer for you, right? Um, we're not entirely sure. Does that make you feel better? <laughs> You're like, wait a second, hold on. My whole life is supposed to be centered around bringing God glory by producing much fruit. And pastor, you're telling me that people aren't exactly sure what fruit is? They're like, yeah, kind of what I'm telling you. So, um, so two, two basic uh, thoughts, right? Uh, the first is people. That fruit has to do with people. Maybe you've never thought of people as fruit. Uh, but guess what? When we go to heaven to be with Jesus, those that have put their faith and trust in Christ, the Bible says that at some point we will die a physical death uh, but that our spirits will be with God forever in a beautiful place called heaven, right? And, and so uh, it actually says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And, and so we, we go to be with God, right? God who made us in his image. Uh, now, uh, you, the Bible's also clear in this, and when that happens, we can't take any of this stuff with us, right? You don't get to take the house that you, you stayed up every night where, no, I don't know if it's good enough or we have it all. Like, we need more room. It's like, doesn't matter, right? Doesn't matter. Wait, my car, I just never had a nice car. I never got to drive. Doesn't matter. Unimportant. I, how much money did you save in your 401k? Guess what? When you die, the money is either going to go to your children or the IRS, right? Probably most of it to the IRS, right? Yeah, I know. I'm Boo, I'm with you. I'm with you. Because you can't take any of that stuff with you. But do you know... Who you will see in heaven, what you will see in heaven. You'll see anybody that you shared Christ with that accepted him as Lord and Savior. You will see all of them again. See all of them again. And you'll get to spend an eternity with them. So, so uh, now here's the problem. If you wanted scriptural support for how that's fruit, here's the best I can get you. Is Jesus looks at the field and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so what is a harvest? Well, harvest, uh, if you're thinking about grain, you're not thinking fruit. But remember, we didn't just harvest grain. We also harvested fruits, right, and nuts and, and all kinds of things. So, so, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the boat that I, I do think, I think I'm totally fine with saying that, that fruit is about people and, and we need to be people that are sharing Christ with people, right? So we need to be those people. So that's a big part of it. But there's only one other passage that focuses on fruit in the Bible, and it's found in Galatians chapter 5. And so, uh, man, if you have your Bibles, I'm just going to turn there. I didn't mark it. Um, but I, but I, I just want to read it to you uh, for a second. And uh, man, it is, it is so good. Galatians chapter 5. And if you're turning with me, uh, we're going to start in verse uh, 16. Again, the Apostle Paul's writing. He says, I, I say then walk by the Spirit or keep in step with the Spirit. Other translations would say. And, and if you do that, you will certainly not carry out the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. Uh, these are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, if you keep in step with the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, anything similar. And I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things won't inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, and I'll put these two verses on the screen behind me, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Right? Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another to envy. Uh, and so, so here, here, here's the fruit that the Bible... Say, what is the fruit? Here's, here's the fruit that the Bible actually declares is fruit. He says, the fruit of God... A fruit of the kingdom looks like this. It's love and it's joy and it's peace and it's patience and it's kindness. It's goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's in us, right? You say, how do I bring God glory? Ready? Here's how you bring God glory. You, who were once the opposite of all, you, you were all the other things described in Galatians, right? You, you were full of anger and jealousy and strife. Like, that's who we were. But when you, uh, when, when you, are in the Spirit, you are full of these things. And when the world looks at you and they know you, and they know who you used to be, and then they see that, you know what? They say, oh man, God is great. God, God, man, there must be something to this God. This God must really be powerful. If he can take a wretch like Jason, and he can make him into somebody like that, man, there must be a God. There must be a God. And so you want to bring God glory, right? That's the, 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 the goal, to glorify Him. That word, by the way, in Greek is, is doxazo. It, it, it means to, to not just praise, but it also, it literally, it literally translates uh, to bring Him renowned or to make Him great. So greatness in the kingdom is about making God great. And how do I do that? I do that by making sure my life is full of those things. So uh, third point, third point, <clears throat> So how do we produce this fruit then? Okay? The only way is by remaining in Jesus and doing what he commands. All right? So if I identify that the fruit of God is this fruit of the spirit business, right? Love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness, kindness and faithfulness and self-control. And that God gets glory because people know who I was before Jesus. And then they see me walking in the spirit and they see somebody that is full of love and full of kindness. And, and they're like, what is up with you? And you're like, nothing is up with me. It's Jesus. Jesus is up in me. That's what it is, okay? And so is Jesus in me working these things out? And they're like, oh man, there must be a God. Because I, right? And so, so listen, I, I, I give God glory by walking in the Spirit, having those things. So the only way to do that is by remaining in Christ. The only way to do that is by remaining in Christ. So again, our goal, John 15, 8, my Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit, and, and when we produce much fruit, we're proving to be His disciples. So this is how God is glorified, by us producing a lot of fruit, okay? Only one way to produce fruit, uh, John 15, 9 through 10, right, tells us how we do this. It says, as the Father has loved me, I've also loved you, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. So remaining is this major theme in, in this text. It, it appears 11 times, the word remain 11 times. So key to me producing fruit is remaining in Jesus. Now, you may read this and you go, wait a second, Pastor, I think you read it wrong. Because uh, this verse says, if you keep my commands, then you'll remain. You go, wait a second, no, 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 you're, you're telling me, Pastor, that, that, in, that, that in order to keep his commands, I have to remain. But that verse says the opposite. It says that I have, I have to keep his commands, so, so, and that's proof that I'm remaining. And I'm going to tell you, it's a cycle, and you can't keep his commands 
without remaining in him. And I'm going to say that because Jesus said so earlier in the passage. Maybe you missed it. It's in verse 5, right? I am the vine, you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. You can do how much without me? Nothing. You can't do it without me, right? So uh, we talk about this a lot um, when we talk about our bad behaviors. I, I talk to you guys about this word called strongholds, right? So if we think the wrong thing, like we, have, we don't have the truth in our mind, so we've accepted a lie. If we accept a lie, it makes us feel kind of crummy. So we feel the wrong way. We're thinking the wrong way. We start doing the wrong thing. Those things feed on top. So the more wrong I do, the worse I feel, uh, the worse uh, that this, this wrong thought is, is strengthened in my, like, and it becomes what we call a stronghold, right? So it's a cycle, all right? So I'm here to tell you that there's a Jesus cycle that you can get into instead. Uh, Colossians 1, uh, or Colossians uh, says that uh, everything was made through Christ and for Christ and that he holds everything together. So I, I want to I talk to you about how Jesus can hold you together in a fruit-producing cycle uh, of goodness, okay? And it, all you have to do is remain in him. So he says, listen, if you remain in me, you're going to bear much fruit, right? And so what is the fruit? Number one on the list is love, right? Love, okay? Then Jesus commands us to hit like two greatest commands, which I'm going to spend the next couple of weeks on, by the way. Two, two greatest commands both revolve around love, right? So if I remain in Jesus, right? If I remain in Jesus, I'm going to have fruit. And that fruit is love, which is what Jesus commands. And so by remaining in Jesus, I have love, and then I can actually love God and love others, right? And, 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 and the cycle goes on because he says, listen, if you, if you do what I say, you remain in my love. You remain in my love. So if I remain in him, he empowers me, right, to love. And in loving, I get to remain in him. And it becomes this cycle. I'm going to call it the cycle of sanctification. Okay? So Christians say, man, what, what are, like we've made this stuff way too complicated, y'all. We've made it so hard. Uh, you guys come to church, and, and I love you, and I'm so glad you take notes. And uh, I, I've met so many Christians that are like, I, I need another Bible study. i got to get another Bible study. My life is messed up right. I just need another Bible study. I need another Bible study. I need another Bible study. i got to learn more. i got to learn more. I don't know enough. I don't know enough. I don't know enough. Well, guess what? The disciples spent like three years with Jesus. That was it. That was it. All right? Some of you have been Christians for 30 years. And you were still going, I need more. I need to know more. I need to know more. Like the basic of Christianity, ready? I, and maybe I'm going to be without a job after this. Because like, what do you need me for after this, ready? It all boils down to remaining in Christ. All of it. Just if you remain in Jesus, guess what? All the Bible studies you do about bad behavior, don't have to worry about it. According to Galatians 5, if you keep in step with the Spirit, that you will not gratify the flesh because they oppose one another. And so if you remain in Christ, you get all the fruit of the Spirit and all the bad stuff is gone. So your one focus in life to bring God glory, to bear much fruit, is just to fight to remain in Christ every moment. That's it. And that is what Christianity boils down to. Isn't that crazy? It's great. You're like, y'all are, you are without a job, Pastor. We don't need you anymore. All right. Just one more point. It's this. Living this kind of life requires a huge amount of sacrifice. 
I just want to be honest with you. I, I feel like so often in churches, uh, people try to sell you Jesus. Like, well, if you just accept Jesus, everything's going to be great, right? Like, if you accept Jesus, you'll run faster and jump higher and score a better grade on the SATs, young man, right? I mean, like, like we just, like, everything's going to be fixed and it's going to be easy. Jesus never said following him was going to be easy. He actually said the opposite. Like, it's going to be hard. The world's going to hate you because of me. Um, and so, so listen, uh, he, he, he tells us that we should always consider the cost. We should count the cost before we enter into anything. And before you would think about following Jesus, you need to know the cost, and the cost is your own life. He gave his life, and in order for you to receive his life, you have to give yours. It's an exchange, y'all. Jesus lived the perfect life that you couldn't. He died the death that you deserve, and he offers you his life, which is uh, as a son of God, uh, in communion with God, living with God forever. Like, that's on the table for you. And you say, what do I have to do? You have to lay down your life. He laid down his life for your sake. Now, you have to lay down your life for his sake. And, and, and we find this in uh, verse 13, right? John 15, 13, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. To lay down his life for his friends. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you're going to have to remain in Jesus and do what he says, not what you want or what you feel. Mini side sermon, right? Our world has elevated our feelings to the highest place possible. Our society says that you are what you feel. You must do what you feel. That's the only, uh, like now what you feel is, is somehow true all the time. Uh, just, that's your own truth. You know, like no, there's, there's truth, right? And I don't know about you guys, I feel a lot of lies. Anybody? You ever get up in the morning and feel like you're just, just a terrible, like man, oh, I'm just a horrible person. The world would be better off without me. I've had that thought before. You know what? That wasn't true, right? It wasn't. I went through a whole season of feeling that way, that my family would be better off without me, that the church would be better off without me, that the world would be better off without me. And I, I believed a lie, right? And, and, I, and, and I, like, it was a struggle, y'all, to get out of it, to replace that lie with the truth, to say it's not about how I feel. Here's what the, heart, here's what the Bible says about your heart. It says it's deceitful above all else and beyond cure. And so, like, if I could preach a series for a long, like, I, I, I literally, I got the title. It's called More Than a Feeling, y'all, right? Remember the old song? More Than a Feeling. Life is not about how we feel. It's about who God is. And it's not that our feelings are unimportant. It's just that they lie to us a lot. Because if we're thinking the wrong thing and we're doing the wrong thing, we're going to feel the wrong way. And sometimes the feelings come last, right? And so I, I just say this to you that, uh, remaining in Jesus is something we have to do uh, regardless of how we feel or what we want. And so being great in the kingdom, bringing God glory, producing much fruit, I'm going to have to come to an end of myself, period. If you want to produce much fruit, you're going to have to lay your life down. You are. Your wants, your desires, your prayer has to become what Jesus prayed. Lord, not my will... But your will be done in my life. And when you live that kind of way, you become the kind of person that God can use to do great things. And you start seeing fruit in your life that you know is not of you. And so people will ask and you will automatically give God all the glory because there ain't no way you could do these things, right? That's what Jesus said. 
That's the call. Lay down our lives. Uh, Romans calls this living as a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It says that's our true act of worship. That's worship. That's following God. Making an active choice to lay down what I want so that what He wants would reign in me. And, and if, if I can figure out how to remain right there in the center of what He wants, man, God can do great things through me. He can do great things through you, okay? By the way, this is key to every relationship in your life. Uh, I love you. Uh, we do a lot of marriage counseling around here. Um, uh, by the way, if you walked in this morning and you guys put on smiles, I'm like, everything's fine. Um, and, but if, if you had, I'm not going to ask you to raise hands because I know what happened. Uh, probably half our married couples had at least an argument on the way to church, a disagreement, right? You don't have to raise your hand because the pastor and his wife had one on the way to church. I was like, what is going on? My gosh, right? Talking about VBS, we're getting a little stressed. Like, oh, but I thought you said this. I thought you said that. Like, oh, okay, let's pray. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine, right? One of the biggest lies in marriage, I see it all the time, it comes down to this principle. Somebody says to me, but, but Pastor Jason, I'm just not in love with them anymore. And I said, well, what kind of love are you talking about in a world that says love is love? No, it's not. Uh, there's mo- all, all kinds of different words used for the word love in the Bible. And so there's the erotic love that we're like, ooh, I'm so in love with you, right? There is, there, there is right? There's the friendship love. Oh, we're just best friends and best buddies, right? But then there's this love, this love of God, and it's a commitment of the will. So when somebody comes to me and, and they're saying, my marriage is falling out, I just don't feel like I'm in love anymore. I say, what does it have to do with feelings? You stood before God and you said, I'm going to love this person until I breathe my last breath, Period. It was a commitment of will. That's love, and it's not always something you feel, right? It's something you, you do. You make a commitment to do it, right? That's what we're talking about with following Jesus. I'm going to remain in him. I'm going to be committed to him, and I'm going to do what he wants, even if I don't feel like it today, right? And if you can figure out how to do that, man, God will do great things in you. You'll produce much fruit. So what do we do because of that? Um, I'll give you three things to let you out. Number one, uh, I want to challenge you really to lay uh, down your life to Jesus. That's what the whole message has been about, laying down our life to Jesus. That is an act of choice, and and it it looks something like, okay, uh, if you're here and you've never done that, uh, the the first time's the big one, okay? It it matters. Eternity hinges there, where you go before Jesus and go, hey, uh, I heard you died for me. And uh, that I can have your life, I can, I can become a child of God, but I'm going to have to lay down my life. So I'm going to give you my mess, it's a wreck, I'm sorry. You're going to give it to him and you're going to take from him what was his. And you get his life. And you get his heirship, right? You get heaven, okay? And so it goes something like, dear Jesus, just come into my life, forgive me of my sin. And just take control. I'm going to give you my life and I'm going to take yours. I'm going to become a child of God today. Please do that in me. It's a very simple prayer. Uh, you don't have to pray those exact words. Anything close counts, y'all. Anything close counts. So, so you've got to do that. But for Christians, uh, you've got to do this next thing. You've got to fight to remain that way, right? And I do mean fight, right? Come on. Come on. It is a, anybody think this stuff is easy? No? Not a lot of amens this morning? 
right? Hey, is everybody killing it right now? Everybody just tearing it up? No? Did you guys walk in with basketfuls of fruit? Right, was that you? You like woke up this morning, you're like, I don't even know how to get dressed. I've got so much fruit of the kingdom. I can't even get these clothes on. I mean, my whole house is full. You know, there's probably some room, right? And, and that reason is because we got to fight to stay surrendered. And it is a surrender, y'all. Every day, this world is good. It's not going to get easier. It's going to keep tugging at us and pulling at us and telling us that this isn't important and that what God said, that's not really true anymore. And that's just old stuff. That's not, that can't apply anymore. It's going to keep tugging at you and you're going to have to fight every day. The waywardness of your soul is going to want to escape into some place other than Christ, right? And, and, and so, like you, I love you. It is not natural to walk in the Spirit, Okay? It's not natural. If you think that it's natural because you prayed a prayer, you are completely mistaken and your life is proof of it. Okay? I'm not trying to be mean. Our lives are proof of the fact that walking in the Spirit is a supernatural activity because we can't do it on our own. But if we remain in Christ, if I make it my point every day to go to Jesus and I go to Him often, the Bible says I'm supposed to pray without ceasing. Man, if I go to Jesus often, again and again, with every wrong thought, with every, every wrong conversation, with just like, hey, I'm lonely. If, if I go to him with everything, then man, I can do this stuff. I really, really can. So I have to fight daily to remain that way. And if I do, if you do, this last thing happens. We'll bring glory to God. And we will bear fruit, I promise. Some of you have uh, bought into a lie. We talked about lies a second ago. Some of you bought into a lie that God can never use you. And I just want to speak to you for a second. If you're here this morning and you feel that way, I got really good news for you. That means that he can probably use you more than some other folks. I mean that. I mean, really, really broken, broken people God can put together in beautiful ways and he can use you, but because of your brokenness, it's even harder for you to remain. I'm just going to be honest with you. So what, what I, I, I t- told my kids about, right? I said, hey, listen, I, I grew up with a different background with my children. I've warned them about their phones. I've warned them about the world. I, I, all my boys I had really serious talks with about pornography, uh, those kind of things. I said, listen, I'm just here to tell you that your brokenness God can use, but that brokenness makes it all the harder to continue to remain in the spirit because Satan's got just, he's got more lines attached to try to pull you out of it, right? And so if if you're broken, you think that God can't use you. I've got great news. Yes, he can. Yes, he will. He can produce great fruit in you, but it may be harder. It may be harder and that's okay. That's okay. I don't know about you. I I don't want the easy stuff. Do you? Anybody? Have anybody bought a piece of furniture that was super easy to put together? How long did it last? It didn't, right? It didn't. You want that hard stuff that's going to be around for a long time. So I'm going to do this. I want to pray. And then, uh, and then we've, got a, we've got a couple more things to do this morning. But I want to pray for you. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. Just kind of where you are. Just bow your heads. and um, we're, just, we're dimming the lights just a little bit. Just kind of, because I, I don't want anybody looking around. And so I'm not trying to freak you out. We're not calling you up here this morning necessarily. But I do want to put forth a very serious question. And, and, and first and foremost, I just want to know how many of you are struggling to walk in Christ right now? 
Just raise your hand. Just say, man, I am struggling. I mean, I mean you're fighting. Not, not just like a little bit, but man, it is really a battle right now. Okay? You're struggling, but you want it. So still hands up. I want it. I want it, but I'm struggling. Okay. It's a good chunk. Okay, you guys can put them down. So I just want you to, right where you are, gut level prayer right now, I want you to open your hands on your lap. Just open your hands on your lap. We're just going to pray this prayer. God, here I am, open-handed. Please forgive me for living so close-fisted. Like I could figure it out. Like I could be in control. I'm coming before you open-handed because I'm confessing that I need you. That I'm more than a little bit of a wreck right now. But I've heard today that you could use me. So I'm asking that you would come. That you would cleanse me. That you would forgive me. And that you would fill me. God, this morning, Holy Spirit, I'm asking for an extra measure of strength this week. To remain in the love of Jesus. To turn to him often to keep in step with your spirit that I might be full of your fruit. I need it. I want it. My family needs it. Please, God, fill me today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, guys. Uh, it is the last Sunday of the month and uh, we are, are going to be committed for a little time uh, at least until, you know, one day, uh, somebody just steps up and says, I'm paying the sucker off for you guys. Uh, last Sunday of the month, we want to continue to talk about the blessing of being here. And last Sunday of the month, we have an opportunity where we ask our people to give above and beyond their tithe, um, whatever they can, um, to, we call it the future fund. Uh, even though some of you are thinking, the future is now. No, the future is still the future. We were in one place for 100 years. We hope to be here in 100 years. But did you know that we, we hope this isn't the only building that it gets built on this property in the next 100 years, right? And so we've we got to continue. We're going to pay this building off. We're going to pray about what the Lord has next. And we're just going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, but to do that, we know it's going to take above and beyond our tithes. And so uh, once a month, we ask that you could give above and beyond. And so I've got a little uh, slide I'll throw up there. So uh, we, we, don't, we don't have uh, new slides. Remember, we used to be at the old place. We can turn on the lights. We used to be at the old place, and we would be like, oh, yeah, we're working on these things, and we're working on this. Like, we're here, okay? So, yes, we are working out all kinds of kinks. Y'all watch out. There's some little curb out there where it's not a curb and it becomes a curb. It's getting painted this week, uh, but it hadn't happened yet, right? So uh, like every Sunday, we, we know that we need a changing table in the men's room, and we're shocked that it wasn't in the plans. It's here. We just have to attach it. Like, it's coming, okay? So, but, but there are still things, y'all. Uh, we, we still have keyless entry that we're trying to put into the front door uh, with, with, a, with a doorbell cam for our, our secretary so that she could buzz people in. A shade on our playground. Evidently, it now is 1,000 degrees in Texas. And when you put up a playground, you have to shade it or else your children will go to the hospital. And so, um, so we, we, we've ordered the sunshade, the sunshades and, and we, you know, we've got a plan to put all that stuff up. Uh, but but you know, things are still going on. So we're just going to ask. We're going to put it before you. We're going to ask that you give faithfully and, uh, and we're going to trust God with it. So here's how you can give. You can scan that QR code. It takes you to a different, it's still push pay, but you'll notice it says future fund. So it's kind of locked in there. Or again, and the chair in front of you is a little card that says crossing over. And, and that's a, it's a separate deal that will go in the back. So I'm going to pray for the offering. We're going to give you about 30 seconds as Pastor John comes up and takes a mic. And we've got a few announcements. We'll let you go. Father, again, thank you so much for allowing us. What a blessing it is to be in this place. 
God, we're here, and we've got almost 200 kids already signed up for VBS. That's more than have ever signed up, uh, have ever signed up uh, in our church. And, and we're so excited. I, I pray you bring even more than that, that we fill this place, that they learn about Jesus. And God, everything you want to do here, we're asking that you provide for and use us in ways that only you can, Lord. Take these gifts, again, multiply them. Uh, we, we, we need some, some loaves and fishes kind of, kind of business, Lord. And so we're going to trust you with that. Do what only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.